Let's bow our heads. Lord, be with us today as we come together to look and to study in your word. And Lord, there's many people that are touched in this, in this church that are having medical issues, financial issues, and other issues. Be with them. Bless them. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, I always consider it a privilege uh, to preach here in, in Fox. And um, I really appreciate the music, as you can tell. Um, and as those of you that know me, music is, is important. And I look at it when we get to heaven. If you can't enjoy good music here, then why in the world do you want to go to heaven? And, man, I can sing like Whitley Phipps when I get to heaven. Like, not as good, but like that. And uh, a powerful, powerful, inspirational man. Okay, so the name of the sermon today is uh, Whosoever. But uh, I want to lighten the mood just a little bit. And uh, I don't see Judy Dent here. I told her that I'm going to have a little story, and I didn't want her to think it was a a biography, but. Have you ever had one of those days? And this is one of those days. It's a true, supposedly a true story. From Sarasota, Florida, police station. An, early, an elderly Florida lady did her shopping and upon returning to her car found four males in the act of leaving in her vehicle. Now see, we already know it's not Judy Dent because she couldn't find her car. <laughs> She dropped her shopping bags, drew her handgun, proceeding to scream at the top of her lungs, I have a gun, I know how to use it, get away from the car. The four men did what she wanted and started running as fast as they could. The lady, somewhat shaken, then proceeded to load her shopping bags into the back of the car, got into the driver's seat, and she was shaken so much that she couldn't get her key in the ignition. She tried and tried and realized why. All of a sudden, she looked over to the side. There's a football, a Frisbee, and two 12-packs uh, two of beer. <laughs> a few minutes later, she found her own car in the parking lot, four or five spaces down. She loaded up her shopping bags, proceeded to drive to the police department. The sergeant, to whom she told her story, couldn't stop laughing. She says, well, what's going on? I'm here, I'm confessing that I was attacking these four guys. And he says, yeah, he pointed down there. He says, you think you got troubles? At the other end, those four pale white guys explaining about this little woman, not quite five foot long, handling a gun and carjacking their car. Okay, so the moral of the story is, if you're going to have a senior moment, make it a good one. Okay, so today we're going to look at who is whosoever. Is it the best sports fan in the world? You can almost see any sporting event and see whosoever proudly sitting there in the arena, holding up his little sign, usually looking bored, and appears to be always alone. And my thing is, is how does he afford all those tickets to all those events as he's sitting there holding his little sign. 
And what is the tagline, you ask? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This verse is without a doubt the most quoted and preached verse in all of Scripture. Captured in is the gospel in its clearest and simplest form. The salvation is a gift of God and is obtainable only through belief. The conversion of Nicodemus and the testimony of John the Baptist provided the setting that clearly points out that being born again is the only way to find the kingdom of God. So what is so great about the Father's and Son and the Holy Spirit team? Let's look it up. Let's turn in the Bible to Isaiah. And I hope we got Bibles here today. Isaiah 9. And we're going to be looking up a lot of text today. Isaiah 9, verse 6. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be, will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amy Grant had a song going on, the Holy One, Emmanuel. That was one of the, the first Christian songs to sell a million copies and based on this verse. Here we have God the Father, God of the universe, creator God, creator of the heaven and the earth. And he sits down with his son and the Holy Spirit in heaven to put, to, and put together a plan for the new world. And Lucifer, the head of all the angels, wants to be in the boardroom to help with the plan. And he's told no. This is when the plan of salvation became, is this when the plan of salvation became part of the, of the planning stage? Or was it in there from the beginning? The most important thing is that there is a plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's turn to John 15 and verse 12. Again, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you your servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I... But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. And this is key, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that wherever you, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I have commanded you to love one another. Now, this is people get this verse mixed up a little bit. They say, whatever you ask for, you're going to get. So I decide I want a new car. I, was like, I drop on my knees and say, Lord, I need a new car. Is that what it's saying here? No, it's saying that whatever you ask for in my name, what is going to bless me, your Savior, and you as the human? 
Okay, these things I command you, that you love one another. Okay, so we love everyone. Everyone's happy. Everyone's going to heaven. You watch a lot of, a, a, a lot of pastors, and they just keep preaching love, 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 and grace. That's just part of the whole picture. Let's turn to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 6 and 8. Christ in our place is the caption over it. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for securing, for, for scarcely for a, a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God's demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This goes back to what we looked at in, in uh, John 15, 16. God, we didn't choose God. God chose us. Going back to Isaiah in chapter 53. When you, when you have some time, go back and read the whole chapter of, of Isaiah 53. It is, it's, it's just powerful. Starting with verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now I know a lot of people went and saw the movie The Passion. And I know there was churches at, uh, that set up special screenings for the movie The Passion. I didn't see the movie. Because I can't handle seeing that much ghoul stuff. But when I picture what Jesus went through, and I'm not saying don't go and see the movie, but what, when, when you look at that and, and you read the words, we're going on, the, he was chastised for our peace. For, for the peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The abuse that he took for us is, is just it's just uncomprehensible. In the, in the New International, so that he was pierced, in verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And this is for someone that we didn't even choose. He didn't know us. But yet he went through this. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned one and everyone in his own ways. And the Lord has laid in him the iniquity of us all. Now they said as you continue going through this. It's, it's talking about what Jesus is going through. As Isaiah is writing this. And Isaiah continues with more events across the whole chapter. And all the prophecies came true. In 1 John 3, we get a better understanding of training to be a whosoever. 1 John is one of those, those books that a lot of times gets overlooked. Verse John, chapter 3. Starting with verse 1 from the New King James. Behold, what manner of love 
the Father has bestowed on us that we could be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because he did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when, we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall, all, we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is purified. Jumping down to, to uh, verse 16. And it's got the, the tag above that, the outworking of love. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for, our, for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him and does not love his God, uh, the love of God does not abide in him. So does that mean works get you to heaven? Let's look at that. Let's go to Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, starting with verse 31, it was talking about the sheep and the goats. The love of man will judge the nations. Excuse me, the son of man will judge the nations. And there's something to be said about that caption there, the son of man. That isn't just someone that he hired. That's not just a hired man. That's the son. That's the heir. That's someone that has a close connection. Verse, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he, he will sit in the, on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them <clears throat> one from another as sheep as shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. There's a side note there. That's referring back to John 14, 1 to 3. For in my father's house many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. My sister, her youngest granddaughter, just got baptized. She's nine years old. And some, some people say that's too young. But it's, it's where, you're, where are you in your walk? If you wait too long, maybe you're going to be walking somewhere else. But what's neat about this is that Maria gets on the phone to Nana and says, Nana, I want my, I, I want my, my home in heaven to be next to your home. And I want the garden to be like, and they're planning their houses next to each other in heaven. Now that's, that's just neat. That, that, to get to heaven, what does Jesus say? You have to become like little children. And when, when Ruthie was telling me that story, I thought that is just so neat. That, that's another bonding experience that the two of them are having. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or or thirst and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? 
And the king will answer and say unto them, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did this unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. For every good side, there's a bad side. Verse 41, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, we did not see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or prison and sick or in prison and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it unto me. And these will go away to everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The people on the right are like sheep. They weren't looking for God. They were being Christians. Whereas the people on the left, the goats, they weren't looking for anything other than just having a good life. They probably had the bumper sticker, he who dies with the, with the most toys wins. So let's go back to this whosoever. Let's go back now to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then our memory verse or our scripture text, 3.15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now it's interesting. That's in the King James Version, and also in the New King James Version. But if you read verse 15 in the New International, it says that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. But then I would have had to change the name of my sermon. But let's, let's look at this. Let's break this down. I wasn't a good English student, but I still understand breaking down sentences and phrases. For God so loved the world, he did have a plan in place that he gave his only begotten son. This shows us his human side, just not how, how much love God and Jesus have for everyone, that Jesus would be willing to, to demoralize, be beaten, crucified, ridiculed, all to save even whosoever, me and you, that we can be saved. When we are saved, does that mean saved from death? The verse says, should not perish, but have everlasting life. First time I preached this sermon, it was in Shano. It was about a month ago. And when I walked into the church, the others have been there, you know, it's a smaller church. It was almost full. I said, okay, this is nice. But then I found out why it was almost full. And I, I don't remember the, the, the family's name, but their, past, their, their father had passed away and the funeral was Sunday. 
So here I am, I'm preaching this sermon. And they're suffering from the loss of their father and grandfather. So, you know, this verse says, Whosoever believeth in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he was a God-fearing man. He was a deacon in the church. He was an elder in the church. So, fortunately, I had this question here. When does life end? At the cross? In the casket? At the cemetery? When does whosoever finally get everlasting life? At the second coming? When Jesus has stood before his Father, the God of the universe, and says in a clear, strong voice, I died to save this soul so we can spend eternity together worshiping you, our creator. That is when whosoever gets everlasting life. Ellen White comments, The death of Christ on the cross made sure the destruction of him who was the power of death, who was the originator of sin. When Satan is destroyed, there will be none to tempt to evil, and there will be no no danger of another rebellion in the universe of God. That which alone can effectually restrain from sin in this world of darkness will prevent sin in, in heaven. The significance of the death of Christ will be seen by saints and angels. Fallen men could not have a home in the paradise of of God without the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Shall we not then exalt the cross of Christ? The angels ascribe honor to Christ, for even they are not secure except by looking to the suffering of the Son of God. The angels, it was important for them to have eternal life as well. It is through the efficiency of the cross that the angels of heaven are guarded from apostasy. Without the cross, they would be no more secure against evil than were the angels before the fall of Satan. Angelic perfection failed in heaven. Human perfection failed in Eden, the paradise of bliss. All who wish for security in earth or heaven must go to the Lamb of God. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes, and I put in there, whosoever in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So in closing, I have another story. Because on here it says, What is, what is your perception? So as a bagpiper, and I don't play bagpipers, I don't enjoy bagpipers. I think someone's being cruel and inhumane to a cat. But as a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. Apparently he had no family or friends, so the service was to be at the Pauper Cemetery in the Kentucky Backwoods. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I wasn't going to stop and ask for directions. 
I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral guy had evidently gone, and the hearse was gone and nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and crew left, and they were eating lunch. I felt badly and apologized to the men for being late. I went to the side of the grave and looked down, and the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played my heart and soul out for this man with no family and friends. I played like I'd never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept. I wept. We all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for the car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the car door, I heard one of the men say, Man, I'd never seen nothing like that before. And I've been putting septic tanks in for 25 years. <laughs> Apparently, I'm still lost. I don't have the right cemetery. So, perception. Webster gives the definition of perception as a result of perceiving, observation, a mental image appreciation that are we what are we looking for how do you know when you find it god gave all of us whosoever a road map it's right here it's the bible we don't have to hide it for fear of being in prison but if we had to would more people be apt to read it? And why is that? Are you too comfortable? Are you afraid of change? Don't be, because change is coming. I want to be known as a whosoever, that I may have everlasting life. What changes do you need to make to be known as a whosoever. It's not easy standing up here in front and presenting something like this because I don't want anybody to look up here and think, is he one of them? What I want you to do is to look up here and look through me and hopefully Jesus is standing over and protecting me. I'm still a work in progress, but I do know that Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. We're going to have one more special music before our closing song.
Once, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son was not content to stay at home. So he said, Father, give me my inheritance now so I can enjoy myself while I am yet young. So the father divided his estate between his two sons. The older brother stayed at home, but the younger brother took his share and within a few days had traveled to a far country, far from the restrictions of home. There he spent his money and his time in drinking, gambling, and wild living, and soon he found his money gone. And when his money was gone, so were the friends also. He was so alone and poor that he had to take a job taking care of the pigs of a farmer. so hungry that he longed to eat the very food he was feeding the pigs. But no one gave him anything. One day, he found himself thinking of his father's home and the life he had lived there, and he realized that not even the least servant in his father's home lived as lowly and uncared for as he himself did. And he said to himself, I cannot again be a son to my father, for I have given up that patronage. But perhaps if I return to my father's house, my father will take me in as a servant. So he went back to his father's home. While the father was walking in his yard, he happened to spy a figure walking toward the estate, but still at a great distance away. The father knew it was his younger son. He ran toward the boy and caught him up in his arms and embraced him with great love. The son was astounded and said to his father, Father, I've sinned against you and against earth and against heaven, so I am not worthy to be as a son in your household. But his father interrupted the boy and ordered the servants, Bring the finest robe in my house for my son and a great ring for his finger and prepare a great feast. 
of the fatted calf that we may celebrate and rejoice at this, the return of our son who was lost and wandering away from home. The servants did as they were ordered. And they began the feast. But the older son heard the noise of singing and the commotion of preparation. And he asked one of the servants what was happening. When he discovered the cause was the return of his younger brother, he rushed to his father with anger and confusion. Father, he said, you prepare the homecoming of this foolish man as though he were a prince, giving him costly clothing, rich jewels, and a feast for royalty. Why is this so? He continued in great anger. My brother has had his portion of the inheritance and has wasted it away foolishly. Yet I have been with you always and worked for you and respected your wishes. But you've never prepared any such of a celebration for me. Yet this worthless son returns and you turn out the whole house to celebrate. How can you do this to me and for him? My dear son, answered the father, you've been with me all this time and have been close and loving and everything I have has been yours at any time. But can you not see that your brother who was as dead to us, has come alive to us. He has returned to our fold. He is our beloved son and was lost to us, but now he is found again. My dear son, you must learn to understand how precious he is who has wandered, but has returned again home. Home. Again. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Lord, be with us this week. And as we go out and we witness to those around us, I pray that each one of us will be a blessing to someone this week. And when they see us, they'll say, you know, that person could be a whosoever. I pray in your name, amen.